With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast, presented by the State Newspaper. I am your host, Greg Hadley, and I am joined by reporter Ben Briner to break down the first day of the early signing period for South Carolina. The Gamecocks add 17 players on Wednesday, as well as... A very interesting commitment from one of the top players in the country. Ben, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was in the building when Jordan Birch uh, reached into a Christmas present on ESPN and pulled out a Gamecocks hat. It was an interesting scene because if you talk to teammates, coaches, all those folks about when they knew, they all, to a man, uh, except for Eric Kimry, said they found out when the rest of us did. And Eric uh, declined to comment. Jordan Birch is the best recruit they've got since Jadavian Clowney, assuming he signs, which he hasn't yet. He committed, and then several people asked when he was going to sign, and that question is up in the air. I believe 247 reported it might be in February, which creates a very interesting dynamic for the next couple months. If he does make it to South Carolina, he becomes probably the most talented player on a defensive line that's already plenty talented. And I think he was a big get, again, assuming he makes it all the way onto campus. I think he was a big get because South Carolina needed kind of that momentum because this year was not good. And that is a real shot in the arm for a program that isn't bowling right now. Let's back it up a little bit. Jordan Birch, number five player in the country. The Gamecocks held off some pretty huge programs to get him. Held off is kind of an interesting word for it. Coming down the stretch, it was South Carolina, seemingly Clemson, seemingly Georgia, seemingly LSU, and Alabama was at least got a visit in the in the midst there. But what was interesting about it was that Birch didn't say anything. Like nothing. Not much hinting, not much hand tipping. You get the sense that the decision wasn't made until particularly recently, but they didn't show a lot of lean and they didn't let almost anything get out. I mean, this was extremely secretive from a lot of people and and frankly, kind of an impressive feat in the social media era. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting in that South Carolina got a five-star recruit last year in Zach Pickens, who wound up being ranked, I think, number eight in the country. Jordan Birch, number five, but it felt all the more momentous because no one had any idea where he was going. And South Carolina, like you said, had such a poor season It didn't seem like, you know, it was a very attractive destination, and yet somehow they still landed him. I think it was also a little bit different than Pickens because Pickens was a a very good recruit. He rose up to that spot, whereas Birch at one point was the number one recruit in the country. And Pickens made the call early and just kind of stuck with it. And this drama has been allowed to sort of play out for months and months without the main character or or a lot of the supporting characters even saying anything. And like you said, according to 247 Sports Composite Rankings, the best recruit South Carolina's had since Jadavian Clowney, the kind of guy that could potentially come in and play right away. 
Definitely. This staff hasn't been shy about playing defensive linemen early. I think it's a steep learning curve position, though Clowney was obviously a guy who didn't have much of a learning curve. I think he could be that instant impact player early, but we just saw how Zach Pickens was good, but not setting the world on fire his first year. So if Birch does make it to campus... I wouldn't be surprised to see him have to work his way in for a year before becoming that instant impact kind of player, but he also could step in right away and do some damage. And as you referenced already, he waited this long to commit, but he didn't actually sign. And so at this point, he can change his mind whenever he wants. Until he sends in that paperwork, he's not officially a Gamecock. Correct. Will Muschamp couldn't talk about him in the press conference, and it's a weird dynamic because usually people hold their ceremonies after they send in their paperwork, not before. So I'll be very interested to see how this saga plays out. Muschamp was, I think, 15 minutes late to his signing day press conference, and while we don't know what made him late, there's a not insignificant probability that trying to get a national letter of intent from a five-star probably contributed to that in some way or another. Yeah, he's a pretty punctual guy most of the time, so that was kind of surprising a little bit. I mean, the faster he can start, the faster he can leave and stop talking to us. And just as a point of clarification for the timing of it all, the national signing period lasts from this Wednesday to Friday. Correct. And he has until then to send in his paperwork, signing officially. If he does not do it by then, my understanding is he has to wait until February to sign. Correct. He can't send in that letter of intent until the first Wednesday in February, which means that we could have a long and kind of weird saga dragging out. And moving on from Birch, who, like you said, is part of this early signing period, but really isn't. Muschamp couldn't talk about him. Let's focus on the two other headliners from this class, starting with running back Marshawn Lloyd, kind of a borderline five-star guy out of Delaware. What did Coach Muschamp say about him, and kind of what have you seen from looking at whatever you've been able to see? Well, Muschamp liked his explosiveness and his shiftiness. He's not necessarily the tallest back, but he's kind of squat and built. Pretty dynamic playmaker, good pass catcher. Uh, Speaking to one recruiting expert, they didn't necessarily think his top-end speed was kind of that pure five-star burner type, but he still can make a lot of people miss, and he can still run away from most folks, let's be real. Muschamp basically said... In the SEC, you're going to have to beat a guy pretty much every play in kind of one-on-one situations, and he felt Lloyd was sort of the guy who'd be capable of doing that. Most interesting thing for me is going to be, can he translate that quickly? Muschamp kind of said that running back's a position where you either got it or you don't, and South Carolina is said goodbye to its top three running backs from last season, only returns two guys who saw even some snaps. So I think It's going to be interesting to see, can he step in? Can he kind of assert himself early on? And then the other main guy that I think excited people was Myrtle Beach quarterback Luke Doty, a pretty high four-star, I think top 100 in the country according to most rankings. Correct. Pretty productive dual threat passer for Myrtle Beach, one of the powerhouse programs in the state. Won himself a state title as a junior and had a pretty good chance at winning a state title as a senior, except for the fact that he suffered a hand injury in their first playoff game and was lost for the rest of the season. They still made state and competed with Wren before ultimately losing. Doty is kind of an interesting guy. He's pretty thick, pretty well built, 
pretty quick, not necessarily like a carry the offense on the ground type of player, but he's developed a lot as a passer. There were some questions about him heading into his junior year, showed really well the past two seasons. I think what's going to be interesting with him is, does he compete? What's the development curve like? What's it like working with Mike Bobo? Because Muschamp was asked, would he compete for the starting job with Ryan Halinski this coming spring? Muschamp definitely sidestepped the question, and that's going to be an interesting dynamic and an interesting battle because Halinski is certainly more established, but his level of play last season certainly would make him vulnerable to a younger player coming along and, you know, showing really well. The question is going to be, does he take that step? And having talked to Luke recently, one thing that I will say is the amount of enthusiasm that South Carolina is going to have in that quarterback room is kind of ridiculous. Those are two of the more, both, both two extremely nice kids and just have a lot of energy and desire to sort of pull their teammates along. Yeah, you referenced the possibility of a quarterback competition. It seems like those two have also kind of developed a little bit of a friendship as well. But as you mentioned with Mike Bobo, when he was asked about Ryan Holinsky's play when he was introduced to the media on Monday, he, you know, didn't hold back in saying that there's room for improvement on his part, so it's not like it's a done deal. Correct. I think to a degree, coming off the season Holinsky had where he got hit as much as he did, any quarterback coach is probably going to point out some of that kind of stuff. Shoot, if Dan Werner was still around, probably would point out some of the same things. I still would be a little surprised if Doty jumped Holinsky because... I think it would take kind of a very big difference in performance to not have Ryan Helinski start the season. But at the very least, it'll make for interesting copy and interesting conversation for the next God knows how many months until we have football again. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. All right, so those three, Birch, Lloyd, and Doty, were really the the headliners of the class. Looking down at the list, because there are a number of other signees, who would you pick out as maybe one or two sleepers, guys that weren't rated super highly but could make an impact for South Carolina? It depends how you define super highly, I guess, but some names that I'm sort of interested in are Jaheim Bell, Eric Shaw, and Makia Scott, whose name I'm probably butchering terribly, but we'll go with uh, Scott for the moment. Bell and Shaw are both extremely explosive, versatile tight end types. Neither is particularly an inline type of guy, but I think both of them could be interesting factors in the passing game. Shaw is also interesting because he was a two-way player in high school. Will Muschamp said he wants to play tight end, so that's where he'll play, though he was just a really awesome linebacker. And I almost wonder if there's some temptation to, you know, maybe play him at defense. Muschamp said he could play defense, but kind of brushed that aside. But I'm still kind of interested by that. Scott is just a big interior guy, but he's explosive and he's quick and he moves well. And South Carolina loses Kobe Smith as sort of that more traditional nose type even though obviously Kinlaw could do a little of everything. But I think Scott could be that kind of more squat, yet still explosive interior presence. And he's really not getting a lot of hype. And I think he could be pretty impressive. 
you referenced uh, Eric Shaw maybe playing linebacker or kind of a pass rusher type kind of player. And as you asked Muschamp, that's kind of one of the few positions they still have to really fill in for this class. Well, I mean, he, he couldn't come out and say Jordan Birch solves that problem for us completely. But I'll be interested to see how the edge rusher recruiting kind of continues from now because it seemed like in recruiting, I believe it's Yaya Darby out of Georgia Military College, they had sort of been focusing in on a fallback plan. So I'll be interested, does Darby still stay in the mix? Do they try to keep him warm while they work to get Birch fully signed up? Do they still keep trying to go after Reggie Grimes, who decided not to sign early with Oklahoma for some reason, but also said he was shutting down his recruitment, which is very strange. So I think there's still some pieces in play there, though I think if they sign Birch, at the very least, they're probably going to be content to stand pat. And looking at the math overall right now, they're at, when you count transfers, Nick Muse and Matt Oliveira, they're at, I think, 19 total, and 20 if you count Birch? 19 total, then assuming you count Birch, you're also realistically going to count Alex Huntley. So that would bring them to 21 with three other guys committed. Now, two of those are specialists, one of whom has already said he expects to end up signing with next year's class, signing in August as a blue shirt. So you can take one off there now. Kai Kroger signing, the punter is signing in February. I think he could be a next year guy, but I think that that might be kind of up in the air depending on when they can get people and that kind of stuff. And then there's Daquan Stewart, who publicly said he would like to sign with the Gamecocks, did not sign with the Gamecocks, and there are some recruiting reports that suggest he will not end up part of the class. We did not have that confirmed, but that is out there in the world. And if he were not to be in the class, there's a a tall athletic receiver from Northwestern in Rock Hill that they're pretty in on, so he might end up being part of the class with or without Stewart. I think it's interesting because it seems like they've got a lot of flexibility on the stretch with those two specialists that they could kick ahead one year. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see them take some big swings. And if those don't work out, just take some next year guys, count them toward this class and uh, go from there. And just to kind of sum it all up, reading across, you know, the national analysts, the experts, South Carolina, the overall impression seemed to be that they were the winners of this early signing period, getting Birch, getting Bell, you know, not losing any commitments despite having such a poor season on the field. And their ranking is holding steady through all of this, even as other teams pick up some last-minute recruits as well. What are your overall impressions of this class? Where do you kind of see its strength and maybe its weakness? I think it's generally a successful class because usually when you have a bad season like South Carolina did, especially a bad season that wasn't expected to be a great season by any stretch, and it followed a season that also kind of disappointed, you'd expect to see some attrition, you'd expect to see some losing of momentum. And South Carolina didn't have that happen. They didn't lose commits, they didn't have people flip from them, and they managed to pull in Bell, who it seemed like was kind of a South Carolina pick throughout most of the recruiting process, and Birch, who obviously is a huge coup. I think that when Muschamp years ago talked about how recruiting was going to be his calling card, even more than the previous classes, this is the class that kind of shows you the recruiting chops of this staff because they did it in a bad situation. Now, the downside for them is because of the accelerated recruiting cycle, classes tend to be built a little bit ahead, which means that some of the chaos from the last year might influence the recruiting for the 21 class that's going to happen this spring. That's something to watch. Ultimately, when I look at the class, it seems maybe a little top-heavy 
and they don't really have any blue chip seeming defensive backs at the moment. They have three good players, but I don't know that any of them looks to be super high end, at least as a recruit. And they're a little thin at the linebacker position that they can always probably fill in something there. But ultimately, I think solid class, a little top heavy, and overall a pretty good set of gets considering the situation and considering breaking into that top 15 is going to take a a really massive step. All right, we will continue to have more coverage of National Signing Day and Jordan Birch's recruitment slash maybe eventual signing as things progress, but we will be off for the next few weeks for the holidays. But as always, thank you for listening, and please remember to rate and subscribe. We'll be back in January with more coverage of basketball, football, and all things South Carolina.